1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Connecting to the big show. In three. Now, one.
3: The government again putting a band-aid on it, similar to the housing crisis. The roads are a disgrace. You have three beautiful sons. He said, go and treat them to something. I thought, how kind of the
2: stranger. We want a resolution because adults got around the table and realized what needed to happen. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96, 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Parks 96 FM.
4: Oh my god, lads. I have got something in front of me this morning about a new Christmas treat. Oh my god. You. Oh, oh. Breakfast. Christmas morning breakfast. I will be found. Scuffing this next to the Christmas tree. Oh my! What is it? I'll tell you later. I'll, t- I'll tell you because if I tell you now, there won't be a box of them left in Cork. And uh, when I get off the air. So, hoo, 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 hoo. good morning, to you, It's gorgeous out there. Beautiful, beautiful morning. Forecast for the weekend or for the week ahead rather is a little more promising than it has been, which is which is nice to see. Do you have a nice weekend. We got some details yesterday or this morning rather from the guards with regard to what was going on in Paul Street yesterday. It came up on Reddit, came up on social media. Lots of people pointing out there was something going on in Paul Street. No one really knew what it was. There was a an incident, shall we say, in the bookies. And uh, there was a... We think there was an arrest, wasn't there? There was. There was. That's as much as we know for now. I'll bring you more during the course of the morning. Because it was a very big uh, talking point around Cork last evening. What exactly had been going on uh, outside the bookies. Yes, there's a statement here, actually. Thank you, Fergal. He's giving me a statement straight away from the uh, guy gra- at the Garda press office. They attended a public order incident at about 3.25, Sunday, 5th of November. woman aged in her 30s was arrested. Uh, she's since been charged and is due to appear at a sitting before Cork District Court on the 15th, which is next week. Okay, so that's that. That's what's happened. We think it was in a in a bookies. In fact, we're almost sure it was in a bookies, the nature of it, of it though. We don't know other than what the uh, guys have said in that statement so thank you for that around the area of bookies yeah that's the general if you were down there and saw more than we know then you can give me a call and tell me at 0818 96 96 now I want to start this morning by turning our attention to North Carolina in the USA and a story that if you saw it on a Netflix true crime show you'd say nah nah, they're making this up. Um, and if 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 they brought out a, a Netflix crime sort of fiction sort of show, you know, you'd say, nah, nah, this is too far-fetched. This is mad. It's not. It's happening. And it will continue today in North Carolina at the Davidson County Superior Court in Lexicon, North Carolina. This is the sentence hearing of Molly Martin's and her father, Tom Martins, who have pleaded guilty to the voluntary manslaughter of Jason Corbett. And yes, this is an old story. This story's gone on now for nearly a decade. Jason Corbett was killed uh, back in 2017. And it's been going on since then. It's already been the subject of at least one book by Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent, uh, who co-wrote a book with Tracy Corbett Lynch, the sister, I think, of the of the, the sister in law of the dead man. And that book is out and in fact being updated as we speak, because Ralph Regal is currently in North Carolina for the sentence hearing. And thank you, Ralph, for getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning uh, to talk to me about it. Really do appreciate that. Just to start by maybe reminding me of the history and reminding listeners maybe of the history
5: of this case morning Good morning PJ Yeah what happened PJ was that of course in July and August 2017 we had almost a five week uh, trial for Davidson County Superior Court uh, where Tom and Molly Martins Tom of course is a retired FBI agent Molly Martins was a nanny who came to Ireland uh, to look after Mr Corbett's two children after the death of his first wife Mags in November 2006 they began a relationship and they married in June 2011 he was found um, brutally beaten to death with a metal baseball bat and a concrete paving slab in the early hours of August the 2nd, 2015. And of course, after that 2017 trial, both Tom and his daughter were convicted of Mr. Corbett's second degree murder and they were sentenced to between 20 and 25 years in prison. Of course, they appealed immediately. It went to the North Carolina Court of Appeal, where on a two-to-one margin of the uh, the appellant judges, they voted in favour of uh, the Martins Appeal and said that they had been unfairly treated in the first trial by having specific evidence ruled as inadmissible. It then went to the North Carolina Supreme Court, where two years ago the Supreme Court upheld the ruling of the appellant court and quashed the conviction. So what we had thought was going to happen uh, this autumn was a full retrial of Tom, who's now 73, and Molly, who's 40. But what actually happened last Monday quite dramatically was Davidson County um, prosecutors confirmed that a plea deal had been reached with the father and daughter, whereby once they entered pleas to voluntary manslaughter charges, the second degree murder charge would be dropped. So Tom Martins pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter and his daughter Molly entered no contest. The state, the judiciary, considers a no contest plea to be a form of a guilty plea. So for the last week and a half, we've been hearing submissions on a sentencing hearing, and it is radically different from what happened in 2017, because in 2017, we heard all of the evidence, whereas what we're really hearing now is largely the defense's take on the evidence. So an awful lot of it is from the point of view of Tom and Molly Martins, and what cross-examination there is, is relatively limited.
4: So what we have now is we have that the two have admitted that they killed him. They were originally convicted and the conviction overturned, as you've explained. They now admit that they did kill him. And this was to be a sentence hearing. It has turned into really bizarre stuff, Ralph.
5: It has, PJ. And um, prophetically, um, a couple of years ago, And the Corbett family, the very tight knit family, they have been campaigning really for eight years for justice to be done for Jason. And they warned uh, several years ago that they felt that having taken Jason Corbett's life, what Tom and Molly Martins were going to do now, was attempt to take his reputation and that really has been what's been going on for the last um, couple of days. There He has been portrayed as a bully, as being controlling, as having subjected his wife to an extensive campaign of domestic abuse. There have been repeated claims that she was afraid of him. At one point, in quite shocking evidence, it was said that she was repulsed by him, but that she only stayed with him because, of course, she was afraid of losing the children. And And Miss Martin's take on the whole proceedings is that uh, she had raised the children. They were Mm. not biologically her children. Of course, they were Mr. Corbett's two children by his first wife, uh, Margaret Maggs Fitzpatrick Corbett, who died from an asthma attack in November 2006. And of course, because they weren't Miss Martin's biological children, if there was any separation, she might get half of the marital assets Mm -hmm. but the children would remain within the custody of mr mr corbett
4: come back to mags for a second ralph because there's been questions raised by the defense about her cause of death
5: what the defense have basically done is taken what is allegedly a flawed irish post-mortem report and taken what might be remotely possible and turned it into a fact And essentially, that has all been underpinned by Dr. George Nichols. Now, he's the retired chief medical examiner um, from Kentucky, and he was hired by the prosecution to review the post-mortem findings of Mags Corbett from November 2006. Now, everyone had said that Mags had died of an asthma attack. She was a known asthmatic. Um, She had suffered this uh, asthma or respiratory problem in her house. But what was not said to the court is that she was with not just her husband, Jason Corbett, but she was actually with her own sister, Catherine. But that was never said in court. All that was said was she was with her husband and that she was later pronounced dead in the hospital and Dr. George Nichols effectively eviscerated the Irish post-mortem report he said there were major deficiencies in it there were major failings there were things that should have been done and noted that were not done and he said number one this woman did not die of asthma because it hasn't been proven to be the case and number two we cannot determine a manner or cause of death because the information I would require is not there now what he it was put to him of course he opened the door immediately to the defence who said well is Ham possible and he said correct it is he then said it might be possible but it is not wholly probable and of course the latter part of that statement was completely ignored by the defense who suddenly said mags corbett did not die of asthma and she was killed by her husband it's
4: it's a bit like those court cases we see on telly isn't it ralph where the the lawyer is asking the witness but is it possible doctor "Well, yes it is but thank you no further it was a bit like that wasn't it
5: It was. I mean, essentially what the defense are doing, PJ, is they're taking everything that suits them and they're ignoring everything that qualifies it or puts it in context. And the tragedy is that somehow in the middle of this, the actual truth has been lost. And it really has proved terribly hurtful for the Fitzpatrick family. They were so outraged, they actually issued a special statement describing as lies Any suggestion that she she died in untoward circumstances, they said She was a known asthmatic. She had had numerous attacks. She had used a nebulizer. She had used inhalers. And that she was actually with her sister in the house when she got the asthma attack. And her sister stayed with her two children, who were then two years and younger. And her husband desperately drove her. They went so far as to say that she stopped breathing in the car. Jason desperately did CPR on her. He managed to get a pulse and when he gave her to the paramedics, she actually had a pulse. Tragically, in the ambulance before she could get to University Hospital Limerick, she stopped breathing again and they were not able to revive her in University Hospital Limerick. And really what has happened is that that has played very much to the defense team. So on the one hand, they're accusing uh, Jason Corbett of having subject Molly to a campaign of domestic abuse. They're saying that Molly was convinced that her first, his first wife had died in suspicious circumstances and that she was going to be next. A lot of the other damning prosecution evidence from the first trial has not been mentioned, such as the fact that Mr. Corbett um, was called to the touch when paramedics arrived on August the 2nd, 2015, indicating that there had been a delay, a deliberate delay in trying to notify them that there had been an attempt made to drug him. That his life insurance policy had been remotely changed several months before to ensure that the children were excluded and that Molly Martin's would be the only beneficiary, and that this also took place against the background of quite a bitter adoption issue, because Miss Martin's, what was said during the evidence last week was that Miss Martin's had a laser-like focus on the two children. She wanted the two children, and she was herself and her family. We're putting Mr. Corbett under pressure to sign adoption papers. Of course, Mr. Corbett's family have said that he was aware of her history of mental health problems. He was deeply concerned about her increasingly erratic and bizarre behaviour, and he would not sign adoption papers because of those concerns.
4: Mm -hmm. There's a lot of evidence coming out about the children in the last week, Ralph. Just listening to it, it's quite disturbing to hear it being discussed at that level in open court.
5: It is I mean one of the prosecu- one of the assistant district attorneys here, Marissa Parker, made the point that the words of the children were being weaponized, and the judge didn 't disagree and Certainly the most surreal day last week was where you had the two children who are now aged nineteen seventeen years and who have spent almost half their lives under the shadow of these judicial proceedings sitting in a court looking at their eight year old and ten year old selves. What came across was that they were supposedly hero-worshipping their mother – that their mother was their everything and there wasn't a whole pile overly positive said about their father and that they were terrified they had been told by miss martins that mr corbett's irish family were coming to the united states to get them to the point where one of the children actually said and these statements were given to social services a couple of hours before the children were due to attend the north carolina memorial service for their father and one of the children said they had been told by their, their stepmother, Miss Martins, that the Irish family would attempt to take them away at the memorial service and take them back to Ireland against their wishes.
4: God. And this is incredible detail to be coming up in open court. Also, there's another impression was given of uh, Jason that, that he was a mean and miserly man. The, the, the paperwork alone doesn't bear that up, Ralph.
5: No, but none of that paperwork has been given before Judge Hall and PJ, and that's really why what you're seeing is a very defense-orientated picture of what happened. I mean, just to put in context, some of the things that were said over the past week was that Jason would get angry for no reason. He seemed to get particularly angry towards Miss Martins about spending money, about the fact that she hadn't applied for a job, about the fact she was talking about getting her CV updated, that, that she never did. He would get annoyed if she had spent money on fruit. Really trivial things that just didn't seem to make a whole pile of sense and painted a particularly negative picture of Mr. Corbett. Whereas in reality, what we know is that he, Molly Martins was the one that picked out the property that they were going to live in in North Carolina. And it was paid for entirely by Mr. Corbett in cash. They didn't have a mortgage. Secondly, Miss Martins picked out the type of car she wanted. Mr. Corbett paid for it. He even gave, I think, forty or $45,000 to Tom Martins so that their wedding in June 2011 at an old Confederate mansion in Tennessee that Miss Martins had said she wanted her fairytale wedding to take place at, that that could go towards the cost of the, the wedding service. Everything had been paid for by Mr. Corbett, who supposedly, according to the defense, was an extremely tight and miserly man.
4: There's a I think it two days of evidence left, Ralph. Can there possibly be more to come?
5: We don't know, PJ. What we do know is that Judge Hall seems, he's a former prosecutor and he was specially chosen to handle this hearing and he seems determined to have it finished this week. Um, the suggestion from some of the local reporters here in Lexington, in Davidson County, is that he has a capital murder trial that he has to deal with before Christmas. So what we've been told is that the judge will now start sitting at nine o'clock in the morning, that he will sit until one o'clock. He will be back at quarter to two. And that he is prepared to sit until five o'clock or later to try and get through the schedule of evidence that is remaining. What we're expecting is that the evidence will continue possibly into Wednesday, that we may have closing arguments. Of course, there will be six closing arguments because there's six lawyers for the two defendants and there are three assistant district attorneys representing the prosecution. There'll be six closing arguments and we're expecting Judge Hall then to come back at the Friday. And again, it's worth pointing out Tom and Molly Martins have already served three and a half years for second degree murder. So if Judge Hall imposes any sentence of three and a half years or less, they will walk free from Davidson Courthouse.
4: What what are his options, Ralph? What are his options at the end of this week?
5: Um, If Judge Hall determines that under this class, D homicide or voluntary manslaughter, that there were exceptional extenuating circumstances, if he really does believe that it was self-defence and that both Tom and Molly acted to defend their own lives, then he could actually release them on probation. So it could be a sentence as low as that. At the maximum end of the scale, of course, there's a sentence of 17 years. But that sentence is only applied to people that have serious previous convictions, neither of which Tom and Molly have. So he has said that that kind of sentence won't apply. We're expecting that the upper limit will be around nine years. But again, if he imposes anything at a level of three and a half years or less, Tom and Molly Martins will walk free
4: because of course they have served time we'll, we'll know in the fullness of time Ralph thank you for bringing us up to speed on that it's a bizarre story and, and uh, unfortunately like something we'd see on Netflix but this is real life thank you my pleasure thanks Peter cheers Ralph I'm, I appreciate you getting up at um, at silly o'clock in the morning although I suspect that um, Mr. Regal may have an ulterior motive he is of all the press crew that I know and I know them all around town he is the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan that ever trod shoe leather uh, among the press anyway is our Mr. Regal he's probably lost count of the number of times he's seen the boss and he's up in the middle of the night in uh, North Carolina to book tickets, you may be sure of it for for the park and wherever I think he'll do them all like, next, next May, his book which I strongly suspect will be updated even further at the end of this case Uh, He co-wrote it with Tracy Corbett Lynch. It's called My Brother Jason. It's the the untold story of Jason Corbett's life and brutal murder. And you should find it in any good bookshop. My pal John Breen in Waterstones will surely find you a copy. Uh, There is a Kindle version which you can uh, download for your reader. I'd say wait until he updates it. It'd be a good... um Stocking filler for anybody interested in true crime. Thank you, Ralph. 0818 96 96 96. We had an email, a couple of emails actually, which I must get to uh, over the weekend. One is from Rosemary, who wants to defend with the last drop of blood in her body, her staffies, her, her beautiful four babies, as she calls them. And also we had um, a very short email from a man who wants to join a yoga class and can't find one. It isn't all women. That and plenty more throughout the course of the morning. 0818
2: 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing. focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Fox 96 FM
4: you want the biggest hits what about a bit of them um, real 90s beyond real Other
2: people be like you want to hear your song i'm like yes love it what a tune you got them right here the hit mix the hit mix on cork's 96 fm I, I, I. new music i want to hit the nude soon fresh. fresh new music the hit mix with brian McAvoy. The hit mix on your smart speaker. On your phone and on your radio. Weeknights
4: from eight. On courts 96 FM. Another crime story breaking on the opinion line this morning. Someone got onto us, a poor foreign national, a food delivery girl, was chased across Corlum Lawn and Barrenderry overnight by a gang of scumbags. All the lights were out, as usual, and surely that made them brave a course against a poor young one. Complete scumbags. They chased her and she was screaming. She ended up in hospital after some local people came to her assistance. We hope she's okay. Sad, this is her experience of Ireland. Corrib Lawn and Ballanderry, they're places I know really, really well. And those people up there have been on to me, I don't know how many times, complaining about the lack of streetlights. And every so often they get fixed and then they get broken again and fixed and broken again. And no one seems to care a jot about a permanent Fix for those lights up there, and under the cover of darkness, you're right. Scots will come out and do scuttin', and that poor, misfortunate delivery girl seems to have been chased and frightened so badly frightened that she ended up in hospital. That is, that is, that is sickening to hear on a beautiful, sunny, uh, money Monday morning. Now we did get on to the guard, the press, and they say they've had a report of an incident of assault. Uh, approximately eight o'clock last night, Sunday fifth, in the Corriblawn area of Mayfield, woman in her thirties brought to Cork University Hospital for treatment of injuries sustained as a result of this incident. So far, no arrests and investigations ongoing. If anybody else can shed anything, on it, Forrest. Happy to hear from you at oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. But I do remember that. Was it last year, Fergal, you remember better than me. Definitely it was last year. It might even have been earlier this year. Complaints that we had, consistent complaints about streetlights in, in that area. And isn't it funny, the minute somebody rang me to complain and give out, and rightly so, uh, the things were fixed within a day or two, and sure, they just went again. They just went again after a period of time. And because no one was saying nothing about it, they left them there. Do you know? Uh, they just left them. And this is what happened. When you've no streetlights in busy housing estates, where young fellas hang around, this is what happens. 0818 96 uh, It was earlier this year. Yeah, thanks, Fargo. Earlier this year, we had a few calls about it, but it has been an ongoing issue up there for a very, very long time. Not good enough. Not good enough. This is what happens when you let streetlights go to rack and ruin. And you know what? They'll be banging on your door now, next May, looking for your vote March, April, May, they'll be banging on your door looking for your vote in the local elections, bring them out, okay Do what you do, right, bring them out, this is what i would be doing up in my place, there's a path outside my front door, hasn't been fixed since the big freeze of 2009, 2010 uh, and I end up in hospital over at one time, so it's it's, it's, a, it's a frozen, cracked path that was not fixed, So to, so much so they actually put in a water meter and ignored the big break in the pay. Anyway, when they come to your door looking for your vote in April or May for the local elections, take a halt of them by the sleeve, bring them out and say, Do you see that? See that up there? That hasn't worked in years. Get that fixed and you let me vote. That's how you sort them out. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, John O'Shea, you are around town. I heard, I saw this. Thankfully, Saturday. I spent most of Saturday at home, but I, I saw this traffic build up
6: all over the place. Morning, uh, morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What happened? I I think maybe the pure logistics. Read, I'd say the Munster rugby game obviously was on on Saturday afternoon in um, in Musgrave Park yeah. and in, in a similar way. the co-ramblers and water playing in a League of Ireland playoff match yes. at the same time and it's kind of an ongoing like I've from going for matches and like freelancing as I do like the last number of years now any time that there's two things like any that there's two things on at the same time it just causes carnage especially when it's only a couple hundred yards away from each other like I, I remember last year I went to I, I, it was a Cork City game and it was a similar time as the Lewis Capaldi concert so like I, 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 know you got a free kind of a, a demo. I was uh, going home from the Cork City match, and you could you, you could hear Louis Capelli as clear as day. But yeah, it's it's just pure. It just it just seems to be pure logistics. PJ, from my perspective, really, don't having yeah. so we're just having two events on a couple of hundred yards away from each other, um, at the same time as well. it it, it, it just it just kind of it just it impacts the traffic severely yeah. in the area.
4: Well, I was, I know there was a big, big crowd at the road because I was watching that match on, on the telly, and I believe there was a fairly good turnout for Turner's Cross as well. So you've all those people converging.
6: Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like I, as a kind of pure, like especially like in 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 twenty twenty three as well. I do all sorts of communication. When you have WhatsApps and, and internet and all sorts of things. You no, know? like do you think maybe like it, would it take much to have like a. Maybe Munster rugby or the IRFU or and the FAI, and just maybe just to, to send in text, a WhatsApp message, or an email, or just or oh, just having the, to, so having the game on the same day, or just just you know, moving one to the <sighs> other, or, or, or I mean having one game on, maybe if you had like the soccer match on at one o'clock, and then have the rugby at five. Or
1: well,
4: I, I see your there. point, John, but I, I, I'm still kind of saying, well, in a major city, or one that claims yeah. to be. We should be able to organise this. I mean you're not talking two Crow Parks here. You're talking about a ten thousand seater and what? A twelve thousand seater, fifteen thousand seater.
6: Um, yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, like there would have been like you there would have been two thousand in, in Turner's Cross it was about two over two and a half thousand. As you said, like it's probably it, it's only like it wouldn't combine the two of them together, like it, it, it wouldn't might even half fill Crow Park in terms of the the total attendance that was in the area on Saturday so like you think like logistically as well it, it, you should be able even if they are on at similar times like they they should be able to go off kind of relatively smoothly so. and it, and even as well like with the the Munster rugby game I was looking over the weekend I, from my understanding, understand like like that, that game was nailed down probably since maybe July or August.
4: Yeah, as soon as the league fixtures fl- grandi- come out, yeah. as being a bit of a rugby supporter myself, a- as soon as the fixtures come out in, in the in the, the, the league, the URC, a certain number are allocated to Muzzer, and and they are oh. they are known they are known months in advance. So oh, okay. I'm sure if I ask Ken Parrot, for example, he'd give me every single Musgrave Park rugby monster m- match from now until the end of the season. Do, do they make Travour? Could they make? Someone says here, could they make Tremor Valley Park available say, as a as a park and ride? And, and if not, why not? That would be a kind of a way of joined up thinking.
6: Yeah, you know. yeah. The, yeah, the, the park definitely's. Never mind. This tra- I think that just in the area as well, traffic can be a bit, or parking can be a bit of a nightmare. As I know, like like even I know myself going to the Toronto's Cross on Saturday afternoon. Like I I set off nearly to the. To the did you have two, three o'clock just to get in for a five o'clock kickoff in Turners Cross? Right. I knew in advance, like obviously from going, because it, it, it's not the first time that something I just would have popped up. So like you kind of go in, you have to be in well in advance to get the if you want to get parking anywhere, to really So Um, yeah. and then I mean, given the fact I think the parking, the Black Ash, the parking and Ride, I see them Munster rugby had um had something on their website before the gate. They were kind of encouraging supporters to, to yeah. come in early as well, and that the Black Ash will be open. but it? Like, yeah, c- c- there's definitely parking. is definitely uh, like if, if, if 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 it's <laughs> more valley, even yeah, even look look at that back.
4: huge site that they put Fundland on. I I think that's unoccupied at the moment. Is that the cream fields they call it?
6: They could put cars yeah. in there, like I, I actually thought that myself. I was I was passing it um on Saturday afternoon, and just it, like, there was monster supporters going to the Moseley Park, and as I was driving past, there was a, it was it was just like a, a wasteland. Like, like, there was nothing inside at all yeah. since the since the Fundland finished. Then you'd be think, just yeah. given for a couple of hours,
4: for for, for five or six hours, you could could you open the absolutely, the absolutely? Uh, so someone to turn a book out of it too. You know, a couple of people now are, are asking this one, John, and you know, I mean, I know you 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 write sports for the Echo, but you could maybe have a look at your pals in the news desk there and see would they be interested in following this up as well as we will. Tremor Valley Park, there is space in there, park and ride service for for the matches. That would be kind of joined up thinking. I think myself
6: anyway. Oh yeah, you think that would be the, the, You think even a common sense approach, like like you know, especially like doing you know, in the modern heads of queue, like it would take a matter of seconds, even for, for for the match organisers or even concert organisers, well. but like in this case, monster rugby, it's just gave me Just dropping a quick email or a quick phone call to someone in the council, and mm. you know you, you think even this, is it, is a possible to end up Cause, cause, like you think you think it would make like even there should be a way like, to do it.
4: There should be a way to do it. Like it's not, it's not two Premiership matches next door to one another. If anybody else has any ideas, uh, thank you very much, uh, John O'Shea, a sports writer with the Echo. Uh, actually, it, I I apologise profusely if I'm repeating this. I also apologise if I didn't read it the first time. But this one's been sitting in my little inbox for a while now yes I do, I have an actual inbox with things in it I'm old fashioned that way we got this email a while back I'm a resident of Hyde Park Torrey Top Road, I'm at my wits end, I'm a wheelchair user I have a dedicated parking space my family members use that when calling up to me the space is constantly being taken by Cork City fans going to games in Turner's Cross I'm not sure if they realise this is private And they shouldn't park there. Can something be done about this, please? Residents have nowhere to park whenever there's a match. It's disgraceful. We rarely have an issue, get this bit, we rarely have an issue when Munster play in Musgrave Park. So you'd expect other fans to have the same courtesy and respect for privacy. They've included some photos, and indeed they did, of all the spaces that have been taken that are not residence spaces. And that is not spaces further down the estate. Looking forward to hearing response. That's from Marie. Residents parking around the two stadiums. Problematic, shall we say, when there are matches on. 0818 96 96 96. Well, I tell you, there's a few people suggesting what it might be that I said, ooh, I want that for my Christmas morning breakfast. But, Frank, it is not wedges. It is not wedges. No. No, 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 no. no. On Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Philip says, Ash, you're entitled to feel that way. Philip says, I'll go if I want to watch a 74-year-old man roaring into a microphone, reminiscing about the days that he could run or the country he was born in. You're clearly not a Springsteen fan. Yeah, he might be 74, but put it this way, Philip. Bruce Springsteen is 74. He carries it better than some of us carried 44. Put it that way. Well, seven weeks today... Is Christmas Day, lads. In case you think it's all coming in too fast, in case you think all oh, the shops are ridiculous and all, it's seven weeks' day is Christmas. So I think it'll be very soon indeed. We'll be playing the first Christmas song of 2023 on the opinion line. I, I doubt we'll get away with playing this one first. <laughs> They're already going downstairs. He's at it again. He's at it again. Anyway, I had an email. Maybe someone can help here. My, my missus is into in, into the old yoga. I must say it to her and see if she know. see would anyone would be able to help here. Um, I joined a yoga class, says this email. It's not signed. I joined a yoga class, PJ. I'm a man, right? But this is 2023, right? It was all women, PJ. I was the only fella there. I lasted two classes. Are they all like this? Can you ask your listeners? I'm not too sure if he wants to get a class with another couple of men in it or whether he wants to get an all-men's yoga class, but certainly he felt a bit out of place in a room full of women trying his yoga. Can anybody help? Anyone? So yoga classes for men, mixed yoga classes. Anyone? He wants a mixed class, around 50-50 not all men i I must say i would be very self-conscious going into a room full of women like that uh, to to bend bits of my body that probably haven't bent in a long time i would be very very self-conscious i can see how he feels and women are generally more into the yoga i think than men anyway certainly my missus has gone mad for it and she's Looking great on it. She's having it's, it. Really, is working for her. She's asking me to try it. I don't know bits of me haven't bent for years. But for our um, our correspondent here, who lasted two classes at his yoga class because it was all women, he wants about a fifty-fifty class. Um, anybody help? oh 818 96 96
0: 96 Join the
2: conversation This is the
4: Opinion Mind
2: With Hidden Hearing Changing lives With the latest Hearing health technology They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Coach 96 F- Check this out. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays for Midday on Cork's 96 FM. Mm. Let's have some
7: fun. Each and every afternoon on the radio, it's me. It's you. Simon, what's that crack? It's these guys. Hey, this is Ed Sheeran. Hey, this is Selena Gomez. Hey,
0: this is Hozier.
7: I've got the big names on for a chat, like Joel Curry. Hey, Simon,
0: mate. I'm all good, thanks. Good to speak to you, bro. This is my dream. I'm living my dream, so I'm never, ever going to, like, complain about it.
6: And I just love dishes out them prizes. Yay! Thank you so much. That's absolutely amazing.
0: Simon Murdoch.
2: Midday to 4pm. With First South Credit Union. for your needs are put before profits. First South Credit Union. Members come first. Is this, is this how we do it?
4: Quarks 96FM. Uh, come back to some of your uh, correspondence and so we've lots of it coming in on various different topics of conversation. Am I going to one for Charlie? I am, guys. Okay. There is a scam. Is there what week? Isn't there a scam? Uh, reading about it in the Irish Independent, though, this is a very sophisticated scam where Irish people have been conned out of thousands of euro by a scam purporting to be one of the biggest financial houses in the world. They don't come much bigger in the world of finance than Goldman Sachs and these scammers Charlie Weston joins me from the Irish Independent Charlie and thanks for holding, I know uh, you were holding there for a little while we've been quite busy this morning. Goldman Sachs one of the biggest names in the world of finance and they've been caught up in a huge scam. Good morning
3: Good morning Good morning, Peter. Yeah you're absolutely right their name is being used by these scammers presenting themselves as Goldman Sachs they're actually using names of individuals who work in Goldman Sachs and uh, producing email accounts for these people. Uh, they're producing brochures which, which closely mimic the publications of Goldman Sachs. Uh, you know, prospectuses if you like, you know, documents you would get if you were considering investing in bonds or some other investment. And uh, they're hitting people, and people think they're handing over their money to Goldman Sachs. We're doing a minimum of 25,000 euros here, PJ, so it's a lot of money. Uh, so people are being convinced to hand over the money. They're getting a call back. Uh, they think they're dealing with Goldman Sachs because the brochure looks genuine. They have an email address for somebody who who, who, who who works for Goldman Sachs. If you look these people up, the name will match. So it's it's quite sophisticated. They're handing over this money, and it could be ages before they work out that they've actually been scammed here and it's too late uh, you know, they may not look into it until they want to see how the investment is doing or want to cash out. At that stage the money is long gone. Uh, you know, it's it's um it's a concern to Goldman Sachs. So they contacted me about this because I've written a fair bit about this kind of stuff going on and said, Look, they've seen an awful lot of Irish people targeted by these fraudsters claim, uh, with claims that the fraudsters are from Goldman Sachs when they're not actually. So it it, it it's a very difficult one. It's very easy to get sucked in and fooled by it, Uh, you know, but um, if you think you're getting something from Goldman Sachs, you can email uh, Goldman Sachs at abuse at GS dot com. That's an easy one to remember. But, um, you know, do lots of checks if you're receiving one of these. Uh, 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 p- approaches me. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Like Goldman Sachs, I would suggest, Charlie, is a company that's not even going to enter your thought process unless you actually have quite a bit of money.
3: Yeah, so we're talking minimum 25,000 euros here is, is what the scammers are claiming. Now, Goldman Sachs, you're right. Uh, you know, It's usually for high rollers. It's a blue chip investment company. Uh, but look, the problem is at the moment, the banks are paying very little in interest. In on savings, people, you know, see these things being advertised. They respond by email and something they see on social media and they think they're getting back a response from Goldman Sachs because they have a few bob. They might have 50, 100 grand to invest, uh, but you need to be very careful here because you, you're going to kiss goodbye to that 100 grand if you, if, if, if you don't do proper checks here. This is a regular thing and central bank have been warning about it last week as well. Central bank put out uh, a warning saying people need to be really clever here and careful because these guys are, 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 are over the place and, and they're, they're hitting people for big amounts of money. We actually don't know how much has been taken, but right. we suspect it's huge. You know, Gomez have had a few people on to them and they've managed to stop uh, the money being transferred. And this is Irish people. Yeah, what they say. It could be even bigger than that, PJ. Because you yeah. have no idea—hundreds of thousands.
4: You look at one. One assumes also, Charlie, that Goldman Sachs is a company that has the kind of resources to investigate this.
3: Yeah, and they and regulators, but, the, but it's very hard to track these guys down. You know, they're, they're they're fast moving. They change. They're changing all the time. It used to be very obvious that these things were a scam because the returns they were promising were ridiculous. They were offering you a ten, eleven percent a year. Uh, rate of return. And it it looks so crazy. You know, you you were able to use the old rule of thumb. If it looks too good to be true, it is too good. But they're they're, they're so smart now, they're not even doing that anymore. They're putting in modest uh, returns into their their documents that they're mocking up to look like Goldman Sachs. You know, it could be 5.7%. So it doesn't look crazy. It doesn't look like a crazy return anymore. So that makes it very difficult to work Mm -hmm. out what's going on here. They're actually using... Uh, Irish bonds, genuine Irish bonds. They use their proper serial numbers. They're just they're replicating them, you know. So th- 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 you, you need to be smart here because these guys are now it, they're moving it to a level which is making it extremely difficult to tell whether it's genuine or not. So all you can do is contact the likes Goldman Sachs if you're getting some kind of an offer like this from from Goldman Sachs or some other uh, b- b- big big name that, that's out there, uh, and make sure that you're gen- gen- you're dealing with genuine people, or go to An investor, that uh, an advisor rather that 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 you know, uh, and go through a named company that in in Ireland that you know about. I mean, people need to be very careful here. Sometimes they're being greedy, unfortunately, and they're getting sucked in here, and then they're embarrassed and don't talk about it, and they try to get the banks, their own bank, to cancel the transfer, and it's probably too late.
4: Okay, Charlie, thank you for that. Charlie Weston, personal finance editor of the Irish Independent. The high rollers of Ireland getting scammed. Um, by a Goldman Sachs scam. Goldman, oh, you, you don't, Goldman Sachs are never going to come into your life unless you have a lot of money. So this is targeting uh, high rollers in society and taking them for tens, if not hundreds of thousands of euros by pretending to be Goldman Sachs and using things like genuine numbers of genuine Irish bonds and, wow. Uh. There is kind of no catching up, is there? There really is no catching up uh, with these scammers.
2: Join the conversation!
4: This is the Opinion Line.
2: With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Fox96FM. The lines are live. Oh, hello. Join the conversation! Call 0818-969696. 96 96 96. or WhatsApp 83 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. This is the Opinion Mine with PJ Coogan 96FM.
4: It's seven weeks today. is uh, Christmas Day. Uh, I I <laughs> I I haven't told you yet what the thing is that I read this morning is the new Christmas treat that I'll be having for my breakfast Christmas morning if I can get away with it no Frank, it is not Christmas wedges, smart Alec. it's also not something I spotted on the Aldi advertisements over the weekend, Aldi are bringing out Christmas pudding flavoured chewing gum I'm not sure how that'll go down I have a small, tiny bottle of Christmas pudding-flavoured vodka, which our old friend and former colleague Terry makes for us here every year. <laughs> and I bet you that's very nice. But, no, Christmas pudding-flavoured chewing gum, I can't see it doing anything for me. But this one, this one, Lindor, you know Lindor? You know those, do you see them, There's brown ones and red ones and white ones and green ones. Little, beautiful chocolate. Chocolate balls, truffles. You know those when Lindor, they're red and they're I love the the brown ones, the dark ones. I love all of them, to be quite honest with you. Um there's a Bailey's one coming out, lads. It is in the paper this morning. There's a Bailey's Irish cream. Lindor oh, oh my god like. Ah lads, I mean come on, just 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 oh coming out for the Christmas. Bailey's Irish cream. Lindor chocolates. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Actually, speaking of Christmas, Lisa Manning, who does wonderful things for the Cork University Hospital Children's Ward, has been on to us. Lisa, of course, from McCroom. She is doing a toy collection this year for the Children's Ward at CUH. Yes, it is that time of year again. Stuff is going to start coming in. Things that you're selling, things that you're raising money for, fundraisers, just nice quirky events for the festive season. I think Lisa, I think definitely Lisa qualifies to have the first formal announcement of a Christmas charity event on the opinion line. So a little round of applause for Lisa for being (laughs) first. She's doing a toy collection for the C.U.H. Children's Ward and says any toy, big or small, is greatly appreciated. Now, they have to be new toys. They should be unwrapped in their original packaging and safe toys, things like Lego, art sets, Play-Doh, fidgets, puzzles, musical toys, baby toys, colouring gear, Barbie, unicorns, superheroes, dolls snoodies, fluffy socks blankets, fancy dress lava lamps just anything safe and suitable for a hospital environment and selection boxes will be very welcome I've no doubt Joe out in Clashane will be doing selection boxes too but Lisa Manning selection boxes as she raises tries to raise a whole load of stuff for CUH Children's Ward she has a couple of drop off locations the E Centre in McCroom uh, Computech or you can send her a PM on social media. Deadline is the twentieth of December. If you want to contact Lisa Manning, she's on the McCroom Notice and Community Board Facebook page. Lovely And if you look, if you've seven you've seven weeks to go, if you have stuff to do, stuff that you want mentioned over the course of the next few weeks. The email is open. Don't mind bothering the lads in the front office with this. Send it to me, PJ ninety six fmie and I'll either get it for you here or we'll put it on um, some other stage of the day. All right, so just get your stuff into me over the next few weeks. PJ pj.96fm.ie if anything coming up for the Christmas in terms of fundraisers or charity or events, pantos, you name it, all right? This is forced up, though. Uh, for 2023 oh, 0818969696 here's the thing, speaking of shopping this came in too and I have forgot, I didn't get to it on Friday so my apologies Deirdre was on, she said could somebody please explain to me about the 1 and 2 cents not been given back in the change when you buy something I was in Lidl in Churchfield and my small few bits and pieces came to 30 euro and 2 cents The guy asked me for the two cents, which I gave him. I gave him 30.05, and he was able to give me the three-cent change. This morning, I went there and got two items, which came to 8.23, and the guy said 8.25. Why wasn't I able to get two cents when they're still in circulation? I'm not complaining about two cents. It just baffles me. Thanks, says Deirdre, and love the show. Yeah, they I think Little and Aldi, they, they all do it, I think, but Little and Aldi seem to be the ones that do it most, rounding up and rounding down. So if something comes in at 8.27 and you're paying with card, they take, it's. it's they round, the ones and twos, they try and take them out of circulation. Um, I know you wouldn't be getting hit up over two cents, do you do, but I see your point. I do, I do see your point. Like, why, if you want to pay with your coins or whatever, Thank you for that. 0818 96, 96, 96 For our man who wants a yoga class with men in it, um, 50-50 ideally, uh, Ballin Colleague Resource Centre has yoga. There's a few men go there. I also have a suggestion. Uh, if you look up Mary Kelly Yoga, she's on YouTube and just classes on YouTube, but she also does actual in-person classes around the place, or so I'm told. So thank you for that. Now, this also came in from... Is it from Jackie? Jackie, it is. Uh, to do it, well, I mentioned the streetlights not being fixed up in Ballanderry and all that. Uh, here's a message in from from Jackie on some somewhat similar lines.
8: PJ, I have a friend living in Fallon who for years had an absolute flood of water outside their front gate. Uh, sure, overflowing, in the wrong place, etc, etc. Happened to bump into Terry Shannon... Somewhere up in O'Driscoll's shop or something, and said it to him just because he was so annoyed because uh, it had flooded again. And within 10 days,
2: it had been addressed, done, dusted, and it's perfect. I have no affiliation to Terry Shannon, by the way.
4: Yeah. Well, I just said this in the context of when they're all going around looking for your vote next May or April or whenever the canvassing will start for the local elections. Make note of that thing which is gone or not functioning or banjaxed in your local area. And when they come to the house, take them gently and politely by the throat, sorry, by the sleeve. (laughs) And bring them out and show them the streetlight that hasn't worked in two years. Show them the drain that blocks every winter. Show them the crack in the pavement that you fall over and brain yourself every every couple of months. Show them all that. Because... But, well, you know, whatever about the TDs and MEPs, this is what local councillors are for or supposed to be for. Um, that's what you do. You have an opportunity next May to get stuff sorted. Yeah. I knew we'd get more suggestions for you, man, looking for yoga. This is a man who went to a yoga class. He said, I joined a yoga class. Um, it was all women. Help. It was all women. I was the only fella there. I lasted two sessions. Are they all like this? Can you ask listeners? He wants someone a 50-50 yoga class. All right. 50-50.
2: 0818 96, 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the opinion mind. With Hidden Hearing. Changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 F-
4: we're very busy here this morning, so if I don't get to your comment uh, immediately, I will get to it in the fullness of time. But great to see them coming in on all platforms. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Of course, the text to WhatsApp, send us a voice note to the same number. Opinion at ninety six M dot ie your email. We know that Bruce Springsteen sold out in an hour and a half this morning just under it, in fact. uh, Springsteen at Parky Creeve now sold out for next May. We heard in the news Belters only confirmed for Musgrave Park for the 21st of June and the 23rd of June. How is this for a home dinger of a gig? They have both in their time played the marquee and they were both brilliant in the marquee. Crowded house Playing Crowded House, playing Musgrave Park on the twenty-third of June next, with support from the Water Boys. Now the Water Boys were fantastic in the marquee last summer. So they're supporting Crowded House at Musgrave Park on a mega gig. ...on the 23rd of June 2024... ...and tickets to go on sale for that very, very soon... Uh, ...we are expecting announcements too... ...from our friends at Aiken's... ...about marquee gigs... ...they've promised us a bunch of announcements... ...during November... ...so hopefully we look forward to them... ...because there's usually some big names coming to the marquee... ...also... oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. ...now do you remember Cat Haven? Cat Haven was a charity... Rescuing and rehoming cats, set up um, by, among other people, Owen Collins um, from Mitchellstown. He was just a cat lover, animal lover. And he set up Cat Haven, rehoming injured and homeless cats. But behind it all, Owen had a terrible problem. Owen had a massive addiction to gambling. And Owen Collins stole 27,500 euro from Cat Haven from the charity that he helped to set up. And he spent it on gambling. He was eventually caught. He did pay all the money back. And he has rebuilt his life. Um, he had been gambling online with Bet 365 Thousands and thousands of euro he was brought before the the courts Cat Haven is gone Owen Collins is putting his life together again and delighted to hear it Owen, Uh, back working full time as an electrician and a good job now and living the quiet life as you say yourself but now you're taking the opportunity to tell tell your story in full. Um, And why are you doing that, Owen? Good morning.
9: Good morning. How are you, PJ? Um, I suppose I was kind of told I had to stay quiet through the whole process. Um, You know, obviously put your best foot forward, stay quiet, um, get the court case out of of the way. Um, I went through all that and I suppose a lot of people at the time didn't realise what I had done was, you know, it was due to a gambling addiction, they thought that I was living a high life and going on holidays and stuff like that. Um, I suppose it started with me just wanting to get my side kind of out to the people that had followed Cat Haven um, just so that they could, you know, they could make a more informed judgment on how they felt about me and about the whole situation. So it kind of went from there, really.
4: Because when people see a story like that, they think, oh my God, he was up to all sorts with, with charity money. So... You were addicted to gambling. When did it start, Owen? Oh.
9: Um, I, I put on my first bet when I was 16 and in, year in secondary school. Um, and I just got invited to the bookies. A few of my friends had already kind of been introduced to it. Um, and I went down on my lunch break and it, it just kind of snowballed from there, you know.
4: You'd never done it before. You'd never tried it before, no?
9: No, 16 was the first time. I. You know, I'd obviously... You had played the slot machines, you know, like those things when you go to, like, the likes of Butlins and stuff. I'd obviously done that previously, but I'd never actually put on a bet in a shop or anything, no. no.
4: And how quickly did it become a problem?
9: I was borrowing money off friends in school after about three months. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I was already borrowing. I was working part-time myself at the time, um, but, you know, I was only getting maybe €100 a week. I was kind of doing weekends and stuff, But very quickly, that wasn't enough. So I I immediately started borrowing money off friends in school.
4: And did they notice? Did anybody notice?
9: Uh, Around, I think it was sixth year, we were doing the leaving cert. And back then, I don't know if it's still the same, but you used to have to pay a fee to actually sit your exams. Hmm. And I was given that fee and I gambled it. So... It actually came to the point where the principal called me in and goes, look, some of your friends have obviously, we've been checking up in you, the and they're a bit worried about, you know, that you might be gambling and stuff. But of course, I was 18, I, you know, I didn't want to hear that, so I just completely denied it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a few of them did kind of notice that, yeah, look, he he's gambling a lot.
4: Or was it the horses, the dogs, football, what was it?
9: all was football um probably put on maybe one or two bets on horses in 14 years but it would have been like let's say Cheltenham or something it would have been nothing hmm. nothing major um but football that was it
4: hmm. and you did loads of it online
9: oh yeah so i started in the bookies um you know going in and putting on your your money in the bookies and stuff but around 2015 i found a site called bet365 And once I found out, it went to a whole different level because it's not physical money you're handing over. Um, Like some of the bets that I put on, I would never, I would be so embarrassed to go in and put that on in an actual shop. But online, it's just type in a few digits and, you you know, you're off like. And you
4: can also, I've never done it, but you can bet on who's going to score the first goal, who's going to assist. You You can bet on the minuscule details of a match.
9: You can, If you can think of it, there's probably a market that you can find in it. Like, my thing near, especially for the last three or four years of when I was gambling, was corners. So, like, I didn't care who won the match. I didn't care who scored. I didn't care about any of that. It was literally corners, which, when you think about it, it's crazy, like.
4: What, who'll take the corner?
9: So, how many corners a team would get. Okay. So, you could... Let's say a team to get over five corners, and you know that's that was it. Didn't yeah. care who won.
4: And you were pouring everything you
9: had into this. Yeah, not just charity money, my own money, borrowed money, loaned money, any money I could get my hands on. Um, it was pretty much going straight back at the game.
4: And when you're doing that, on when you're in the midst of that, is there a little voice inside in your head telling you I'm in trouble, or or do you push it to the back of your mind?
9: No, there is. Um, there's there was numerous times down through the years where like I had got myself in small trouble. You know, like I lost one or two jobs down through the years because I took small amounts of money. Um, but it was never a big enough thing that was kind of like right. I better I better deal with this now. Um, there was always times as well where you'd be like, God, I wish I could just everything could just stop. But it, gambling was number one. Like it doesn't. That's just the way it worked.
4: Were you always going for the next big win? You're always dreaming, I'm, this, I'm, it, I'm going to go now, I'm going to bet on this match, and it's going to solve all my problems, and, and it'll be the end of it. Isn't that the great lie they tell themselves?
9: It, it, you know, when you start, it kind of is the lie that, look, when I make enough money, I'll stop. But I, like, not not being trying to be funny here or anything but there were some times where I, I was sitting with a lot of money in my account a lot of money and it didn't stop it, you know you, you could always get a bit more you could always get that little bit more so like it is probably the biggest lie a gambling addict will tell themselves is when I win big and get my money back I'll stop but it, it's proven it doesn't work that way. Well.
4: now as a cat lover uh, cat haven was a wonderful idea uh, how long was cat haven in operation
9: um so i think we we kind of i think we came together around 2017 um and it kind of started from the living room i took i took in a few cats and it kind of i set up a page to to rehome them and it, it it actually just took off massively yeah um so it was probably i would say before the money started coming in it was probably about 6 7 months because at the time i didn't know what what was involved with running a charity or stuff like that um so it was probably six to seven months before i started dipping into the the funds that we were receiving um it took i think we got charity status in 2018 december um and it wasn't until then that kind of serious money started coming into the rescue because we could fundraise officially and stuff like that yeah
4: talk to me about being caught how did that happen
9: um, I I had actually spent the whole day down in Crosshaven trying to get a cat that had been hit by a car um, I remember going down there was a Sunday evening and eventually I got the cat the cat had to be put to sleep I came home, I was in a pretty crap mood as it was and I got a phone call from a number I didn't know um, my phone used to go 24 7 so I had a general generic text, sorry I can't take a call, please ring me back um, and I sent that text and I got a text back saying, this is Paul Murphy from RT Investigates. Um, could you give me a call? And instantly, I, I knew exactly what it was. Did like you? I I knew why he was ringing me. Um, and I rang him back. Uh, he spoke to me about the fact that they had managed to get their hands on bank statements, which showed that I was using money for Bet365. Um, and, yeah, I kind of told him everything straight there and then and just...
4: Who, who had tipped them off, Owen?
9: Um, I can't say, okay. I, t- to be honest, I, I I can't say because...
4: Suspicion had arisen and someone acted upon it. Look, as a journalist, it's a question I'm going to yes. ask. You understand that. But we'll move on from that. You were caught. Take it from there.
9: Um. Yeah, I was... So I, I spoke to Paul Murphy that night. Um, he was very polite, decent, um, just explained the situation and... Told him exactly what I did, um, that it was me who solely did it, um, and then he gave me two days to to tell people before they were going to release it on uh, RT Investigates. So I then had to go through the steps of telling everyone. You know,
4: at what point did the guards become involved?
9: Um, the guards had the guards had previously done so. D- person who had found uh the let's say the paperwork had previously made a report thinking they didn't realize it was gambling but they thought there was something going on i see um and they didn't really look into it too much then um but pretty much after that phone call i i had got a email from the gary saying look we we'd like to talk to you about this and we're we're going to do an investigation
4: okay so we then know what happened you ended up going to court You avoided prison, suspended sentence. You must have breathed a sigh of relief at that. But talk to me, focus with me for a second on the moment you realised I'm caught, I'm in trouble. Everybody is now going to know about my gambling. What's that moment like, Owen? Describe it for me.
9: Um, I've done some videos on this. Uh, To put it very bluntly, it it was either end everything there or just face everything um that's that's what it was i i had i kind of thought to myself do i just just leave things now as it is or do i face up to it um and i i spoke to the samaritans i dealt with the samaritans a lot then sure they kind of kept me on track so i i made the decision that there was too many other people involved in the rescue for me to just you know, um, leave it to them to solve it. So I, I yeah, I made the decision. That you just took with it. What? What was the emotion?
4: Relief? Fear? What? Uh,
9: I, was sc- I was scared. Yeah, I was scared. Then um, I then I suppose I told my partner the following morning, um, and I I won't lie, telling her was a relief. That was the first. It was the first time I actually turned around to someone and said, "Look, I." look this is what i've done um it wasn't relief for her i can tell you that now. Mm-hmm. but it yeah it it felt like it wasn't just me dealing with it anymore if that made sense of course it does um so yeah how are you now good good um i just turned 4 years gamble free um well done. yeah it's 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 you know i i obviously you've seen my my page on tiktok i I'm doing a lot to help people who are like me or were like me, who are kind of in the position that I found myself in. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying work. um, I live a quiet life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kind of, yeah, I just go to work and that's kind of it, really.
4: Yeah. The one thing that we learn the more we talk about gambling on this show, Owen, is it's the silent addiction. And that makes it probably the most pernicious one of them all. Would you agree with that now that you've been through it and at the other side?
9: Yeah, so it's a, it's a question I get asked all the time, which one is worse, um, which addiction is worse. I suppose my answer to that is if you ask an alcoholic, it's going to be alcohol. If you ask me, it's going to be gambling. Um, just to to give you a rough idea of what it can be like, I close to when I got caught, um, just before that, a couple of weeks before that, I, I actually lost 14,500 euros in one day. And 11500 of that was in six hours. Crikey. And while I was losing that money, my my friends were actually sitting next to me on the couch and they didn't know thing. So that's, that's why gambling is so... It's hidden so easily. You know, you can just be sitting there. You could be sitting next to someone and they could be gambling their life away and you don't know.
4: You're losing thousands of euro while you sit watching telly with somebody else.
9: Yeah, smiling and talking with my friends, yeah.
4: That's incredible. When you look back at it now, what do you think?
9: Oh, I don't know. I, I don't regret, let's say, Cat Haven. I, if you follow me, you'll see all my animals. I love animals. I, I love that, but I don't regret any of that. Obviously, I regret that my gambling affected something that was something I never even thought I could grow to something like that um, and affected so many people like I broke the trust of thousands of people around Cork around Ireland Um, I don't regret Cat Haven but I feel like I'm a better person now I've done a lot of wrong I've hurt a lot of people but I'm slowly fixing that you know it's not going to happen overnight sure Um, I'm in a better place a place I never thought I could have been in
4: well Cat Haven was wonderful so you should never regret that Talk to me about things like bet 365 On Again, the experts tell us that online is is lethal. Here you are, living, breathing proof. In terms of what is done legislatively by government, by whomever, more needs to be done, doesn't it?
9: There's there's just not enough regulation in terms of catching people like me. If, if someone had even so much looked at my battery six, five the red flag should have been everywhere. Um, here's a guy spending money that he can't possibly be earning. You know, um, that is losing, as I said, 14,500 a year in a couple of hours. It, like that should be something that is flagged on their side. Um, I opened my battery six, five account in 2017 and, Not once was there ever an email, a phone call, or anything sent to me to say, look, do you want a break from gambling? Do you want us to stop your account for a little time? Um, There was nothing. No contact. But if you happen to be winning, if you win a decent bit of money, they will instantly put your account on hold or block your, let's say, how much you can put on a bet. If you win a lot of money in a space of time they'll actually limit your bet your bet stakes so let's say you were previously allowed to put on 500 euro on a bet if you win a good bit, they'll actually reduce that to maybe 50 euro maximum but if you're losing you bet what you want
4: Owen oh, I'm so delighted that you're coming out the other side and that your life is you're building rebuilding your life and I it's yeah. it's it's been great talking to you It's it's been an education I think and thank you it's,
9: it's been a pleasure.
4: Cheers, Owen. Thank you. And well done. Um, well done for coming out and talking about it so so honestly. Um, there's a lot of honesty there. Uh, the honesty of the reformed gambler who realises the error of his ways. Thank you, Owen. You can follow him on TikTok. It's called Owen the Recovering Gambler. Owen the Recovering Gambler is the name of his TikTok. It's just that we do a lot about gambling on this programme. And Cat Haven was such a big story at the time and such a wonderful charity at the time. And we kind of never realised what the full story was. And that's why we talked to Owen today. 0818 we had a good chat last week, a lively one, about dogs. And it's a common enough topic of conversation these days and there was even more reports over the weekend of dogs uh, XL bullies attacking people another story from the UK the weekend of a person, was it two people attacked by an XL bully and last week the Taoiseach the was asked if he would consider banning them from this country as they have done from the UK from the 1st of January you can't own or breed an XL bully but Mr. Vradkar said no, that's not in his radar uh, would he add them to the list of restricted breeds? He might do that but, but there was no banning in his radar anyway going forward that, with a good conversation with Catherine from Snout and About who is totally against the idea of banning dogs and against the idea of restriction restricting dogs without better ownership you need better ownership. And she said, bad dogs. no bad dogs. There's just bad owners, bad training, bad puppy farming. It's just that our industry is a mess in this country. And we had a good chat with Catherine about that. And we had a few calls to and fro uh, over the course of the week. Had a fascinating email also from Rosemary and i will get to that next. 0818
2: 96 96 96. Join
4: the conversation. This is the Opinion Line.
2: With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Fox 96 FM. Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Quartz 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie.
4: So in the wake of last week's discussion on dogs and in particular uh, the XL Bullies and Staffies and other such restricted breeds, got an email from Rosemary, who said, PJ, I have a Staffie called Murphy and an American Pit Bull Staffie called Molly. They called them an Amstaff. Two amazing dogs. They are power breeds, so they need to be in the care of a strong, dog-loving owner. I'm an ex-South African, married to an Irish husband, living in County Meath now. My husband lived in South Africa for many years before we decided together that we wanted to relocate to Ireland. In 2019, we brought our two four children with us. Love that name. They're loving, loyal and give so much back. They give more love back than you give them. They adore children, but as a respectable dog owner, I would never leave them alone with little kids, as kids can hurt a dog without intending to. They love playing outside, but they lie with me too in my home office all day. I call them Velcro as they're never far from me. I can't take them for walks; they need to be muzzled. And Murphy tries to scratch the muzzle off his face. It's the little dogs that come yapping at my dogs that cause the problem. I also don't agree with these leashes that allow the dogs to wander away from the owner. I've seen those actually—you know, the ones that the dog is like forty yards away from the owner. That's that's not a lead, really, when you think about it. Uh, They cause problems, according to to Rosemary. My two cents, um, that's what it is. I love your show, and I listen via the Radio Garden app. Thank you. Keep up the the discussions, raising interesting topics, and helping the ordinary citizen out there with making their problems known. Thank you, Rosemary McManus. Uh, She says, anyone trying to harm or hurt my dogs will need to get past me. I'm an Afrikaans, South African girl, who will be furious? Yeah, I'll be the bully breed that everyone thinks these dogs will be I doubt it very much, Rosamund, but thank you very much for that, and delighted I know you listen to us in County Meath 0818 96 96 96 uh, Avine, you're a dog groomer and you've had some of these breeds I, I can't understand why people would want a dog in their house that could crush bone morning Avine
10: good morning, how are you PJ? good um, I suppose in in the reasoning i I don't think I have any particular reason for for going out of my way to buy restricted breeds um I just love big dogs I'm a big dog person i I don't have any major mass in uh, in small little dogs I just much prefer the big ones um mm-hmm. and that's a personal choice but yeah I've had quite a few restricted breeds now I've owned um, I've had a German shepherd I've had a Staffordshire bull terrier. I've had a Rottweiler, and I currently have a Belgian Malinois. And um, she's not on the restricted yet list yet. No, they're not probably. on the list.
4: Yeah, yeah. They're, they're police dogs. But I aren't imagine
10: they? probably will be. Yeah, they're police dogs, army dogs um, primarily.
4: Yeah. How did you come across that Malinois? I mean, they're they're not easy. To uh, get. She
10: was in a rescue shelter. Okay. I am. Um, I rescued her about five months ago from okay. a local shelter.
4: Okay, and they're a police dog. They're. Are they not aggressive by nature though?
10: No? no. No. No, they're not. Um, I mean once you once you train them correctly and raise them correctly, I mean any dog no dog is is naturally more aggressive than any um than any other breed. Not that I've experienced um in my line of work anyway.
4: Mm-hmm. That's what so many people say. That's what they were saying down in Snout about last week. So mm-hmm. many people say that, Evine, it's not about the dog, it's about the owner and about the care.
10: It is. It is absolutely. Um. I mean, you know, German Shepherds have a bad name. Um. Staffies have a bad name, and Rottweilers have have an exceptionally bad name. Um. And you know, being having had all three. Um. Within the last ten fifteen years, we've never like I've never had any issues. Um. With any of my dogs, there mm. we've raised them correctly. I guess we're a bit more knowledgeable. Um. And a bit more careful. Like. We'd put in the research before buying a breed, so we kind of knew, you know, what we were getting. Um. So you just, I mean, once you put the time and socialisation and the training into them, they they can be completely functioning dogs where you have full trust it's, in them. As much the, as you the,
4: can it, I think it's the, the statistic from the UK that I find the most frightening, that of the last is it twenty two or twenty three yep. fatal dog attacks? Twelve of them have involved an XL bully, for example and they all have involved mm-hmm. yeah. breeds that would be restricted or banned. Like, I know that the experts say it's not about the dog, it's it's about the owner and about the training and about the care, but most of us are just ordinary folk. We don't know about how to be specialized trainers for our dogs.
10: Yeah, and I mean, you know, anybody can can look into training and anybody can, you know, get, get a responsible trainer. And I think, you know, as Catherine said to you on, was it Thursday? Yeah. That's a big issue in this country. We yeah. don't have any, you know, limitations on on training. Anybody can go and open um, a training company and become a dog trainer. Yeah. And I know myself, like, luckily, you know, I do train my own dogs, but I'm kind of looking into different styles of training with my Malinois. And it's it's quite difficult to find a trainer that, you know that you can trust that's not going to use aversive methods. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's those aversive methods that, that can really be detrimental mm-hmm. to the dog.
4: Now, I, I, um, I had a, I know- a friend who had was, was a very, very good dog trainer and, and had a retired Rottweiler as a pet one time. Mm-hmm. And he would show me how to literally switch that dog on and off, he, the commands to put that dog into work mode and put that dog into, if you want, pet mode. They like two different yeah. creatures.
10: They are, they absolutely are, but when they're when they're trained correctly, especially from a young age, they you know it it's no different to us going oh. to work. Oh, yeah. You know, at work just, you can be a certain yeah. type of person.
4: Carlos friend, and I could play ball with the dog. Carlos working, I mean, I, I would be you know, on my guard in the next parish.
10: Oh absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
4: You know, it was incredible. <laughs> I wouldn't
10: want a working Rottweiler coming at me either.
4: <laughs> incredible
5: to see that skill,
4: you know. Yeah. incredible to see that skill. So you say, I mean, it's cockapoos. Of, I don't like them, but they're the ones who've bitten you. I,
10: yeah, I mean, as a groomer, I and I groom quite a few restricted breeds. I don't have. Um, I know a lot of groomers won't groom big dogs and won't groom restricted dogs. I don't have any issue, um, but it is. It's the little ones. That you know they're they're quick and they they can be a bit snappy and they can be a bit um I suppose more opinionated is yeah. is probably the correct word um and it's I've never like I've been grooming for five years now and I've never even so much been snapped at by a German Shepherd I groom quite a few Rottweilers I've done Staffies and I've never even gotten a bad feeling it's it's the, the little reasons. ones that that really become. Yeah. Opinionated and don't want you doing their nails and don't want you doing, you know. Um,
4: I don't even want to live in the same street as a pekinese. You know what I mean? I hate them.
10: Yeah.
4: <laughs> Horrible, bad-tempered <laughs> little buggers.
10: <laughs> but you know, it's, it's. I think the the little ones, and I think the difference for responsible dog owners, anyway, we're not going to include the guys that you know don't don't put the effort in. Yeah. But the difference is when you go out and you buy a big dog. You know what you're buying. You know what your dog is capable of doing. So I think as a large dog owner, we put a lot more effort in and we put a lot more boundaries on the dogs because we know that they can be a genuine risk to society. So you put that extra bit of effort in so that the dogs are safe and they can be safe to be around and, you know, safe on your couch and in your bed or whatever it may be. The little ones tend to just get away with a little bit more because they're not dangerous. They're not a risk, you know, At the end of the day, if you get bitten by a shih tzu, okay, you'll get a nice little bite, but you're not going to break a leg, you're not going to lose a hand.
7: Yeah.
10: Um whereas Rottweiler's Daffy's responsible owners will put a lot more effort into these dogs to make sure that they're mm. they're safe yeah. for the public. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the issue with the big dog versus small dog comes in. It's not so much that the big ones are more dangerous and they're more um inherently aggressive. It's
4: mm. that the, the effort is put into them. Yeah, yeah. Now, the the one question that comes back then, even, is it it not everybody, not everybody can have one of these dogs. You clearly mm-hmm. have a set of skills that I would not have. Right. For example, I, I I've I've a cavalier and a cavachon, and they're two grand old fools of dogs, and I love yeah. dogs, but I wouldn't have your skill set in a million years.
10: I think I don't think that's a natural thing that that you're you know you're you're born with you grow up with. I think it's it's you put time. Um, I mean, we never had a restricted breed until I got my German Shepherd, and before we got her, I put a lot of a lot of research into you know how best to train these dogs and you know what kind of training is going to work better with these dogs because they are a working breed. Um, but I think once you understand that, you're able to you're able to design a program so that you can train them quite easily because they're they're extremely easy to train. Um, but you can do it safely. And it's not, you know, the, the King Charleses and the, the Cavachons, they're a lot happier to just chill at home with their family. Oh, yeah. The bigger well, dogs do need a job. Food,
4: food and a garden to pee Dude. in. That's <laughs> all they want. <laughs> <It's>
10: <laughs> and pretty and a, and a nice couch to, to lounge around <laughs> on. Absolutely. Exactly.
4: It'd be a bit like their owner, really, I mean, to be honest with <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Listen, good talking to you. Thanks very much. That's Avina Sullivan. She's a dog groomer and has owned several restricted breeds. She currently has a Belgian Malinois. They're beautiful dogs. They're stunningly gorgeous dogs, but they're police dogs, army dogs. Takes a certain set of skills, as a man once said on the, on, on the movies, to deal with them. But um, it, it's a broad discussion. It's a broad, and I think I am leaning towards, even though I'd be afraid of my life for them, I am leaning towards this idea that it's not the dog. It's the owner and how they're minded. I'm I'm leaning that way. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting there.
2: Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM.
0: (laughs) The minds are live. Hello.
2: Join the conversation. Call 0818 96, 96, 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Parks 96
4: FM. Yeah, the topic of dogs never ceases to interest listeners to the opinion line i come to deirdre in a second with a very timely reminder for the time of year and but also this has just come in by voice note at 083 396 96 96 is it annette it is annette
8: good morning pj crew pj was listening there to your chats about the doggies and i was thinking wouldn't it be great if you had a mascot for your show the opinion line and I was thinking, what dog would suit PJ now as a mascot? And, you know, PJ, I think it should be a chihuahua. Because they're very unthreatening looking. You know, you'd say, ah, oh, look, there, there isn't a bother on them. But I'll tell you, you set them off, you annoy them, and you know all about it. And as you said yourself there a minute ago, wouldn't want to be anywhere near them, not even in the next parish when they start. So <laughs> what you think, PJ, would a chihuahua do you as a mascot? <laughs>
7: <sighs> oh
4: Annette, you have made my Monday comparing me to a chihuahua. My wife actually would love one of these um teacup chihuahuas. Do you know the little ones that sit in a sit in a handbag and <laughs> horrible She actually loves Chihuahuas. My my missus I can't stand them. Sorry, Annette. You'll have to do better than that. I hate them. <laughs> 818-96-96-96 oh, Now Deirdre, uh, as I said a timely a timely reminder dogs are terrified of one thing no matter what the breed. Good morning
7: Morning PJ um, Yeah it's just, like I have two dogs myself. One we've had for about six years now. She's um, a miniature Yorkie. She thinks that she's like huge yeah. <laughs> until it comes to the fireworks and the other one is more recent to our family and she's a rescue. She's a lurcher. The most sweet hearted little thing that you could, well, big thing you could find. And she thinks she's tiny. <laughs> but the two dogs are absolutely petrified these past few weeks with the fireworks going off in such close proximity to the house. Mm-hmm. And like. I have no, I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer and saying people shouldn't be enjoying themselves, but not in such closed-in places. For instance, um, the lurcher was being walked the other night and somebody let off a firework, shot right across in front of her face. Yeah. She came petrified, terrified home. Now, when we got her, she was in such a bad state. Her anxiety was through the roof. She was afraid of men. She was afraid of cars. She's still not 100% on going out in the dark evenings. Um, And she was just so nervous, but she's starting to come out and her personality is starting to come out. And it's just setting her back. And then the other dog, the the Yorkie that we have, Mm. who... Obviously, since we have her for six years, has been used to noises in and around and everything. She's actually pulling out her own hair. <sighs> I'm actually treating her at the moment because she's so, so anxious. Every evening as she's sitting down in front of the fire and cozying up, she loves her comfort. They're going off and the poor dog is constantly on edge. So you seem to
4: have a fireworks problem in your neighbourhood, dear, do you?
7: I definitely think I'm living here now around about 20 years.
4: Don't tell me where. And I
7: definitely think it's in the north side. Okay. Okay. So um I definitely do think that this year it's just gone beyond the joke. Yeah. And not alone that it's bad enough the dogs, but I mean they're setting these off people's houses and cars and nobody can afford to be I took calls. I took
4: calls about this before, Deirdre, and again, I I respect. I I I won't mention the actual area, but Mm -hmm. but but there is a fireworks problem in the north side of the city, and people were terrified not just for their animals, but they were falling into the backyard and still lighting and setting fire to wheelie bins and stuff like that and hitting cars. Yeah,
7: and it's a nightly thing,
4: and it's still going on.
7: Yeah. Now, I have to say, ironically, um, this weekend has probably been the quietest that we've had since...
4: They've run out after the end of September. September. Yeah.
7: Probably, hopefully, hopefully. Um, But it's probably been the quietest that we've had with fireworks since the end of September, start of October.
4: Okay. Yeah. But Just, despite I all the warnings of them being illegal and dangerous, I mean, and I have... Yeah. Chris Luke yeah. on here only last week talking to me and, and other doctors talking about the dangers of, of fireworks. Like one of these aegis will lose a hand and then it'll be somebody else's fault.
7: And if there's any man who knows the repercussions, it's going to be Chris Luke. He's yeah. seen that, like. Seen everything, yeah. yeah. But I understand, putting, putting aside the fact that, that they're illegal and putting aside how dangerous they are. Can people just, if they're going to insist on using them, go into the larger green areas where there's more room and they're away from the houses a bit?
4: See, the thing is, Deirdre, here's 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 the thing, girl. That's no challenge to them. The little gurriers yeah. who were doing this, they want, to, they want to frighten you. They want to frighten you, dog.
7: Poor dog. They, they want did. to frighten Poor you, dog. dog. And Let's she was on. absolutely, her little heart was racing when she came in the door to me.
4: And dogs are yeah, so, and as I say, like we we forget, we forget how acute their hearing is. Not that they hear better than yeah. us. That's They do, of course. Not that they hear better, but here's something an old friend of mine told me years ago about dogs. It's not that they hear better than us. It's that they have, they understand every normal sound from their home mm-hmm. and their territory and their garden. And they understand and they know and it's filed away every normal sound but then this huge sound that isn't normal terrifies them
7: and that's exactly you're bang on that's exactly the point we've since we took in the lurcher and have her rescued and the whole lot we've been working on her having to get used to our house sounds our family sounds and she's built that up like she's quite comfortable to sleep away there most of the day and night Mm. (laughs) <laughs> she's a lazy wretch. So, this very much is after setting her back. That's ah, you know? a, a pity. And I've, I've had to say, like, her, her evening walk you now can't be any later than half past four in the evening, which really isn't fair on her because she, she likes to.
4: She's afraid of the dark run off too. She's afraid
7: of energy she's... before bed.
4: She's afraid of the dark?
7: Pardon? Well, she is afraid of the dark, but. We've we were slowly kind of building that up, even that she was a little bit more comfortable. With you see, it.
4: they're bright enough. They're bright enough to associate the darkness the with dark. the noise.
7: Yeah, she won't go outside the gate now in the dark because of it.
4: Yeah, I know it's awful.
7: Look, she's a, she's been through enough in her life already. I like.
4: Know, I know, I know, I know, and it's it's so sad to watch them so distressed, and and you knowing what it is. But you can do nothing about yeah. it. It's just some gurry or two fields away having fun, and he or she, they don't care about your little dog. They don't not care not about even you. Two fields
7: away. This was literally across the road, across a oh normal God. hill, and it was just fired from one side to the other. I, was, I suppose, in a way, I was very lucky because if she was another couple of steps forward, it would have hit her into the face. Oh. Any wonder anyone, she's terrified. Uh, well, it's me that
4: would have had to be dealing with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't want to hear that yeah. growl. Deirdre, thank you very <laughs> much. Yeah, good luck to you with the two lovely dogs that you have. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I did take calls about that fireworks problem uh, on the north side a few months, maybe, maybe a year ago. And it was people, fireworks were landing in the back garden. Fireworks were landing in the bin. people were afraid to take out the bins at night because there was fellas putting up fireworks and they were landing in the bins. And you know yourself, the dogs are terrified of them. And they, but they don't care about your dog. They couldn't care less. Uh, on the phone, my child was bitten in the face and she got a lot of stitches. I fully understand some of these dogs are fine. A lot of it is to do with who owns them. I think there should be a five-year jail sentence if your dog is a restricted breed. And it attacks someone. That's an interesting take on us. PJ and a sting about dogs. Myself and my husband looked after my daughter's dog, little teddy bear is all you could call him, a cava A what? A cava. P- okay. We were out walking last week. It's a cavalier king charles crossed with a bichon frise and a toy poodle. Oh God, that's a little bag of curls and big eyes. Oh my God. Oh my God, little bag of curls and big eyes and that lovely Bichon person Oh my God, sounds like a gorgeous dog. We were out walking last week. It started to rain heavily. We went under some streets, or some trees rather, for shelter. There's a young woman walking, a big Labrador. They were a good distance from us, but in a few seconds he managed to knock my husband, who's 73, as he tried to protect our dog. It took myself and the woman all our strength to drag the lab back. Then the lab jumped on me. This woman clearly had no control over her dog. There was no muzzle on. We were shaking. Thank goodness my husband didn't break anything. But if you can't control a big dog, you shouldn't be able to walk it in public. The Cavalier King Charles. I think of those big eyes and that lovely smooth fur. Oh, my God. Is that a photo? Oh, dear me. Oh, 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 Fergal. Can we share that? Can we share that? That is the most gorgeous... That's the most gorgeous little thing. <laughs> oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm 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 um I'm a sucker for cute dogs that are having to do with Bichon and calves that, like that. Do you ever see a ruby? I'm looking. We're off on a tangent here. Do you ever see a ruby cavalier? You don't see many of them, but they're the you know the cavaliers. They're nearly all kind of. Br- brown and white, or black, white, and brown. That lovely reddish brown. There is a ruby calf. Um, they are all the red-brown. They are the most gorgeous little things. There's a fella in Douglas, I think, has two of them. They're br- ruby... There's not not not, not, a, not a strand of white hair or black hair. Ruby calves, they're just gorgeous. 0818 96 96 96. I really do get... Um, I do get uh, carried away, don't I? I do, but Annette wants a Chihuahua as my mascot. I don't think that's going to work, Annette. I really don't think that's going. <laughs> oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. So we're going down a strange road this Monday morning.
2: Join the conversation.
4: This is the Opinion Line.
2: With Hidden Hearing. focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Fox 96 FM. A big drive home With Izzy Showbizzy so On Cords 96 FM Join me weekdays from 4pm Where I'll play your favourite song Even if you don't know the name of it Could you play that song that goes uh, I adore you I do you I'll be making your day with more amazing giveaways Are you ready to give Amy some good news? <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have oak fire pizza vouchers up for grabs for choosing a tune on the takeover. So join me weekdays from four pm. The big drive home with Conicilty Food Company: Ball tacos, pizza. Conicilty black pudding is the making of any meal. So go on, be a rebel. Cooks 96, 96 FM. 96 FM.
4: FM. Lots more stuff coming in still about dogs. Uh, an interesting one that says this thing about it being the owner not the dog is a myth it's a claim many people make that claim they are stacking up the professionals are stacking up to say no it is not about the dog it's about the owner it's about the training it's about the breeding and there are those who would completely disagree we might find someone actually to talk about that the other side of that argument for, for later in the week. 0818969696. Also, did you see the northern lights last night? They were very visible over Cork. We're talking to one a photographer who took a fabulous photograph and it's gone quite viral. Talking to her before the end of the day. But you ever wonder what it's like to work in a full professional kitchen, be it as a cook or a chef or a confectioner, whatever, or just to work in a restaurant? as a restaurant professional, catering professional get some work in a professional kitchen well you can do that from today until the 12th of November next Sunday is it? Saturday, Sunday in about 50 different restaurants around the country it's called Open Kitchen and it's, it's an attempt I guess to boost hospitality and boost recruitment ahead of Christmas because all around the country Cafes, restaurants, bars—they're all short of staff. Every single one of them is short of staff, and not anybody. there's any number of reasons for it, but but this may help. Uh, Norma Kelly uh, from pra, from Praline Pastry Shop in Mitchellstown. You're taking part in this open kitchen initiative, uh, Norma. Good morning to you. <laughs>
11: Good morning, PJ, How are you?
4: Good, good, good. Uh, now, if you look good, at a ki- if you ever want to find out what it's like to work in a kitchen, do not look at Gordon Ramsay, for example.
11: <laughs> no, that that's true. Don't. <laughs> um, we, uh, I suppose we, um, we all, we've all, we've all sat in the restaurant wondering what goes on behind closed doors, haven't we? Yes, we have. Yes. Um, and we're taking part in the open kitchen this week to we've opened our pastry and chocolate kitchen to four people who are coming tomorrow until friday to our premises okay and we're very excited about it um we have we own um we have a pastry and chocolate production in mitchellstown with a takeaway shop um and cafe and we're opening a new sit-down cafe down the main street of the town as well at the end of the month so we are looking for more staff And we think it's an exciting way for to encourage people to consider the catering or the hospitality industry as a career. Mm. Um, because, you know, I suppose it has a little bit of a reputation for unsociable hours and long hours and standing on your feet all the time. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I've worked in the industry for since I was 17. Um, and, you know, we have I don't know any other industry to work in because I've never worked in any other industry. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I've loved. I loved it from the minute, and I started on a wash doing wash up, yeah. um, in a local hotel. And since then, I just love the buzz and the atmosphere. And you know, um, like I've always loved baking, and my mother and my grandmother before me um, were great bakers. Um, but I decided to take it on as a career, yeah. and now I have my own shop, which was my life stream. <laughs> and you know, I mean, I've met amazing people along the way. I've got friends. Um, up and down the country that I've met through the catering industry and different jobs, and I used to take part in competitions uh, nationally and internationally when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, it is—it's a really there's great camaraderie and great friendship um, I've always found. And you know, like when you love what you do, like any job is is hard to do nowadays. So when you love what you do, it does make it that much little bit easier, you know. Yeah,
4: there's, there's a saying that if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. That's nonsense, because I love attitude. what I do, but I, I know what it is, yeah. work is like, and I'm sure you're the same. But in in terms of the, the catering, my, my missus it was her first, well, one of her first uh, lines of work, because she worked in catering for a number of years, and yeah. there's a lot of grunt work there. Like, you're washing pots, you're sweeping floors, you're wiping down dirty tables. It's part of it. Yeah. But you, like you said, it is. You, that's where you started, but you now own your own place. Do people... Exactly. Do young people coming into the business now, Norma, appreciate that there's a bit of grunt work involved that they may not like?
11: Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say. I think when it maybe it depends where you go, but I always like people to start on the wash up, and I always explain to them like you know you start here you get a, um, a foundation in how to organize a kitchen, how to organize a wash-up section, which is actually very important. Absolutely. Um, and then you, you know, there'll be more people coming in after you and then you move on, there'll be more people going out ahead of you, so more positions will become available, maybe out the front, serving coffees or m- if you want to go making pastries or chocolate, mm. um, you know, and even when you're when we have people on wash-up um, and cleaning, there's still time in between that they get to do, you'll be making recipes and okay. Out sure. the pastry chefs as well you know so you, you kind of and I did as well when I was training, and you got that's how you got to realize whether you actually like to do it forever or not you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. Um, and 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 also like I don't know if forever is the right word i mean when we were in college, we had a lecture that taught us we would change career maybe ten times be- before we retired, and it's so true i mean we you know you work in different aspects of the industry um or you know we've had people come in that have done completely different things yeah. um and now they really like you know they've they work in the they work in the catering industry, and I suppose I think your, I know you're on your feet all the time, and you're physically working all the time. But you know, it's exercise as well.
4: There <laughs> is that you get your steps in.
11: <laughs> you definitely get your steps in <laughs> in the day.
4: <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. I mean, the, the, Queen Bee went from the washing, the washing of the pots and the sweeping of the floor, right into assisted management at the end. Do you know, before it's she a, before she moved yeah, on to something I, else. You know.
11: And to be honest, that's really how most people progress through the industry. Um, that they start on wash up and before you know it they are or in within a few years they could be um Chef to party, or which is a, a main a mainstream chef, or mm. assistant head chef, and are uh, up to head chefs. I mean, people have worked their way. It is a really good industry for working away. You from learn as you go. To you
4: learn, and you—I'm you you f- sure you'll find time. Norma that the very best people, the people at the top, like yourself, are the ones with the experience, going back and have done every element of the job. So you've got four people coming in; they're going—you know—you know—they're going to make a bean line for the chocolate, don't you?
11: <laughs> of course. <laughs> But, um, oh, can yeah, I, so I lick the
4: spoon? <laughs> <laughs> you don't, most as, that, as You, as as you as don't as as get as to lick the spoon in the chocolate. As
11: long as it goes in the wash up afterwards, afterwards
4: <laughs> I don't mind. Norma, good, Norma, good luck. Um, with,
11: you know, what I mean, that's that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: Good, good luck with it, and to everyone involved in the Open Kitchen initiative. all over the country. Um, I bet you the people go work down in. Praline pastry shop and cafe in which just don't. they just want a licked spoon. I would, I know. Thank you, Norma. O eight one eight ninety-six ninety six ninety six. Right, back to restricted breeds. And I also got an email about COVID vaccines, which I want to read to you. It's it's a sorry, it's on email. It's a long text that came in a while back and I was holding it for an opportunity. I'll tell you in a sec. Um but Alan was on to say just on the dangerous dogs. There was a guy I think from the dog warden's department who said the type of owner relation to how a dog behaves is a myth. He said these dogs have a trigger and whether it's a child or another dog, if the trigger goes, that's it. He was on. The only warden I can think of is our old friend Vincent Cashman down at the CSPCA. I don't think he, I know that he was partic- he was the one who raised the Belgian Malinois with me a few months ago and said he couldn't understand why anybody would want to have an army or police dog as a pet um, and certainly he drew attention to the Belgian Malinois and said that his wardens were nervous of them maybe we i would love to that is look i've, I've listened to, to the professionals i respect them i have great respect for the professionals and what they know and what they've trained, what they've learned. But also there are other professionals on the other side of that story who would disagree. Um, I'd like to talk to, if there's anybody who is in a professional position who would disagree with the view that it's the owner and the breeding, not the dog, I'd love to talk to you. 0818 96 96 96, because I genuinely am trying to make up my own mind here. I really, really am. A couple of things I wanted to get to. I got a text there, ah, oh, it's the last week or so. Got a text reminding me that it's time to go for my booster jab. And I will, I'll get my booster jab at some stage over the next couple of weeks. Um, But it brought this message to mind to me uh, to, to know, could we maybe get this conversation going? It comes from Noel And Noel said, PJ, my friend is a highly intelligent man. But well, there's no talking to him about COVID. He believes seventy five thousand people have died because of government policy and because of vaccines. I told him to send you a text, PJ, because you said oh, I remember this, if you want a text read out, just say I bet this text won't be read out. So I asked him to text you. But he goes deaf when he makes suggestions like that. He's convinced the media have a complete block on people with his views. I've taken the vaccine. I've taken the precautions, as has almost everybody I know. I class myself as open-minded, but the way he talks will frighten you. He always has some quote from some online source or some other activist. PJ, would you invite him on the air to debate the issues? Because I want to record him reading it out. And assure him there's no ban on his views going on the air. Isn't it fright to God the way people are gone? Yeah, we do get them from time to time messages that say, Oh, I bet he won't read this out. If you want it read out, bet me that I won't read it out. But yeah, look, they're out there. I meant, I did mention getting that um, text and that I would be going for my booster at some point over the next while. And someone I know, I won't mention who, won't mention where, it's not at work, but. I won't, Rolled the rise and said, oh, here we go again. <sighs> but I will. I will. Oh, 0818 96 96 96. A couple of replies still coming into our man who got on to us to say he wanted to join a yoga class. In fact, he did join a yoga class. But, uh, and it was 20, it's twenty twenty three. he gets that. But it was all women. He was the only man in the yoga class. And he was, to say the least, a bit put off. He, he lasted two sessions and couldn't hack it anymore. He wonders, could we get him a yoga class that's like 50-50? Or has more men at least than just him? Are they all like that? Are they all all women? Well, clearly they're not. We quite a few people suggesting uh, that, that um, there are male yoga classes out there, or that they would be happy to bring him in and show him the ropes. Angela was on from Yoga with Angela and says not only would she set him at his ease, she'll give him a complimentary class. That'd be good. That'd be good. 0818 96 96, 96. Now, the northern lights, the Aurora Borealis, to give it the proper name, it's, it's visible from Ireland a few times a year, but very visible. Was it last night or the night before? Uh, Alan O'Reilly from Carla Weather, who often puts up pictures of it, just said it was as visible as he'd seen it in quite some time. And there's a remarkable photograph doing the rounds, quite a gorgeous picture of the Northern Lights visible over Cork. Picture was taken by Shauna O'Connell. Shauna, good morning.
1: Morning PJ, how are you?
4: Good. Where did you take this picture?
1: So that was just taken north of Middleton, PJ, at around um, 7.30pm, so an area called Glentrasna. So basically just went to North Middleton to avoid the light pollution and then just get a little bit of higher ground as well.
4: Right. It's a gorgeous photograph. The colours are awesome. Is, is that filtered or is it just as it came into the camera?
1: That's just as it came into the camera. Wow. So it was just brightened up a little bit in post-production. But honestly, I took shots on my phone at the same time and they came out just as clear. It was mesmerising. It was incredible.
4: Just going to ask, actually, was it a phone or was it a professional camera? Because you are a professional photographer, I know that
1: so that was taken on a professional camera so the shot I shared online but um, I also shared some images on my story on Instagram and those were phone shots but the colours were just outstanding you know I've I've never seen anything like it to be honest
4: yeah. it was a beautiful clear night and it was it fe- was
1: we did- were spoiled we were spoiled are, are you a bit of I an astronomer
4: do you be looking out for the northern lights like and stuff like that
1: do you know it's only something I've only started taking an interest to lately? Um, you know, doing a little bit of astrophotography, photographing the Milky Way. So it's only an area of photography I started doing since May um, of this year. Um, so I've been keeping an eye out and, you know, joining. In communities of photographers and astronomers and you know keeping up to date with what they're doing and taking their advice on board as well and that's really helped out then you know in my own photography journey and actually capturing the aurora tonight so I have a, a lot to thank them for as well.
4: Yeah yeah like um, you, the, the, the northern lights they they're visible over Ireland a few times a year but had you ever seen them this clear before?
1: It's my first time ever capturing them, actually, PJ. Really? Um, Yeah, I missed out at the end of May last year. I think there is um, another very strong um, CME impact. Um, So basically with the the northern lights, you know, there are energised particles from the sun called solar wind. And when you kind of get a large um, explosion, then you can see the northern lights so far south. So there was something similar happened back in the end of May. I believe and yeah. I missed that and um, I had the, the complete fear of missing out you know I saw all my friends and colleagues sharing photos so I said the next time it happens I definitely won't miss it yeah. um, so there's a great Facebook page called um, Irish Aurora or NLC Chasers for your listeners it's run by um, a guy called John Fagan um, and he just shares his knowledge with again a community of photographers or people interested in the night sky Fabulous. so that's the place you want to be looking for information and see when it's happened. Happening.
4: So you had the plan, like, did you go to then cross the last night knowing that you'd see it or what?
1: I was sitting down at home at 5 p.m. and I just saw the, the updates started coming in on my phone. I've notifications turned on for that particular page, saw the notifi- notifications coming in at 5 p.m. And I said to my partner, the Aurora, there's a great chance we're going to see it in the south again this time. We can't miss it. So hopped in the car at five o'clock, made the hour journey from kind of Crosshaven, um, set up quickly and I was delighted with the results. Brilliant it's result. Well worth
4: it. Brilliant result. And the phone, can, can any old smartphone be used? I mean, I have an iPhone, what, iPhone 13. Uh, there's a good camera in that. But can any decent smartphone take a picture if you're in the right? Absolutely. Like, what tips would you have? If I do happen to spot it, what, what's the best way to get the picture?
1: So I suppose the the first thing is to know when it's happening. I suppose the aurora August to May is generally the best time to, to catch it. The further up north you are, the better chance you have of seeing it. So if you're lucky enough to be up around Donegal, you know iceland is a great spot but every now and again we get spoiled and we see it in cork as well so knowing when a larger um cme impact is happening so following those pages like i said irish aurora or nlc chasers Mm. or uh, carlo weather as you mentioned as well with alan o'reilly following those um pages they will tell you when it's happening and if it's worth going out Mm. knowing if it's going to be a clear night so if you've cloud cover you're not going to have much luck last night there was a few clear spells and then you'll see in some of the the shots I shared as well that there was clouds creeping in yes um but basically just finding an area then so when you know what's happening finding an area with very little light pollution so looking at the light pollution maps online going to an area where you're out of the city out of that light pollution finding a bit of higher ground as well so that you can see the north horizon mm. um and then wait for darkness so you want absolute darkness so maybe an hour after sunset um so the sky is nice and dark mm-hmm. and then you'll be able to see it and then when it comes to the camera you know if you have a proper camera or a professional camera even better you'll be able to go in and adjust all the settings as as you need but your phone will be absolutely perfect as well Mm. most um newer phones will have options where you can go in and change settings yeah so the key one there that you want for capturing the aurora or any of the night skies is a long exposure setting. Yeah. So basically what this will do is it'll allow the camera to take the image for a little bit longer, allowing more light to come into the lens. Yeah. And then you get a brighter shot than the dark. So on my phone, it was just a three second long exposure timer. And then I was able to see it perfectly from my phone as well. Yeah. yeah. So you don't need any professional setup at all. You know. You need to keep the phone very steady darkness. when you're doing that. You're of course. looking north. Absolutely. So, if you could keep it steady, you know, balance it on something, or even pop it on a little tripod. You know, they're really cheap and easy to pick up for your phone. So, get a little tripod, put your phone on that, set it to a long exposure, facing north, horizon in sight, no light pollution, and you'll absolutely be able to capture it.
4: There's a great Twitter, or do we call them X's or Twixes nowadays? Uh, It's (laughs) Aurora Alerts Ireland. We're going to, and we your your picture. Retweeting your picture and everything because it's, it's brilliant. It's a fantastic photograph. Uh, and it, I, it, it did is, you say should be vis- will it should be visible again tonight, were you saying?
1: They were saying that there's a chance it could be. Now, I don't think it'll be as strong and it might not come as further south but I would definitely keep an eye on those pages the Aurora Alert Ireland Carlo Weather and Irish Aurora NLC Chasers okay. um, that's where you'll kind of get good information you know and it's a really good community they'll share proper advice tag us
4: a retweet Shauna and put in at Opinion Line 96 and it'll come up on ours so people can pick up on it
1: absolutely absolutely
4: fantastic well done it's a great photograph and you can do it with a phone Um just a long exposure on the phone, and get out of the city, get out of the town, get up to a higher ground if you can, and face north. And there they are, gorgeous, absolutely stunning. That's uh, Shauna, Shauna O'Connell, who's a professional photographer based in Middleton, but she took it on a professional camera and on a smartphone. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, now everybody wants to offer this yoga classes. Ah, oh, yeah. John says I'm unboosted, I'm still unvaccinated, and I'm still standing. Well, of course you are, John. No self respecting virus would go near you. <laughs> only missing. Don't start. Um, we listened to Owen's story earlier about gambling, the trouble it got him into, and the demise of Cat Haven came about because of his gambling. And uh, we'll podcast that interview. Later on, very brave from from on. Um, Hats off to the recovering gambler on your programme. I just want to say people running this country are allowing the gambling epidemic that has gripped England to take root here. I find it disgusting that they're not using the experience of what's happened in our nearest neighbour. In the UK, I've seen ambulances and armed cops flood a street and a kid in his 20s stabbed in a betting shop. The mental health problems inflicted by this epidemic are enormous. I await the day that regulations in advertising, promoting, and sponsoring gambling are similar to those in cigarette smoking. Well, you heard what, what Owen said. You know, if you're gambling every cent you have away on these online online sites, they they'll never say a word to you. But if you start winning, they limit they limit you. They limit the amount you can spend. Uh, Tom Ryan. <laughs> Tom Ryan reminds us uh, the, about the late Bill O'Connell. Ah, Bill was an old pal of mine. Um, the late Bill O'Connell used to call it the roly-boly Ellis. And so he did. The roly Poly Ellis. I like that. I like that. And as Sarah said, it, or is, is it Sean has said, it, she might be available. It might be visible tonight. It might not. They won't know until later. In the day, and if you have a clear sky, it'll be lovely. And to the left side of your moon... The moon was gorgeous last night. The moon was a lovely little crescent last night. But to the left side of the moon, on a clear night, lately, there is a very bright light in the sky. So look up at the moon on a clear night and look to the left. Um, directly to the left. There's a really bright light in the sky. And i even given to understand that that is the planet Venus. So there you go. 0818 96 Right. I do think I need to clear. I do. I need to clear this first.
2: Join the conversation.
4: This is the Opinion Live.
2: With Hidden Hearing. Changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM.
4: Yeah, we're still getting stuff in about dogs and it is something that I think we're going to come back to again because as I said to you earlier on this morning, the, the professionals are kind of lining up on one side of the argument to tell us that it is not the dog. It is the owner, it is the breeding, it is the training or the lack thereof or where they're bred, puppy farms and on. that. All those professionals are stacking up, and I have to go with their professionalism. But there are professionals that take the other side as well. And I'm hoping to speak with one of those uh, before the week is out. Kevin says uh, uh, on dogs, I'm not interested in anecdotal stories. I have a dog. He's a pure dope. But don't take that from me. I know we're in an era where ignoring experts is fashionable. I'm not fashionable. I want to hear from experts on issues especially because the stories from John and Mary Jones are about as useful as a chocolate teapot. teapot. Kevin, thank you for that. 0818 96, 96, 96. Now to New York we go. Um, recovering from the New York Marathon, where she told me a few weeks ago she was going there and watching her training videos on Instagram and Facebook. How are the legs, Brenda Dennehy? Good morning to you.
8: TJ, good morning from central park i'm walking around not a bother
4: you're walking around central park at what would be what it's about 5 to 5 to 7 in the morning
8: 5 to 7 new york time i'm going down here to the finishers that i'm trying to get my medal engraved so we were awake anyway we said we popped down and i'm walking away no bother with a nice copy in my hand
4: good I'm good for it. you new york marathon how did you do
8: uh, I was actually quite pleased with my time, PJ. I was 4.20. I was hoping for probably a bit quicker, but I lost my pacer. Mm. So I was kind of trying to follow the pacer. I lost my pa- pacer for good reason because I met Laura Dorgan from Cork um, <laughs> along the way in Queen's. And she'd me in a headlock, hugging, kissing, <laughs> jumping, and all sorts. And we, there's a video on my Instagram over it's so over 100,000 views already, so it's hilarious. The two of us are like two just jumping around, like three just roaring, were a Cork accent.
4: But you see, only and you, Brenda, only I'm you kidding. could go to New York no. and run a marathon and meet another yeah. car, another Cork one in oh, fairness. Oh,
8: like. 100%. Yeah, yeah. So, but no, I'm delighted with myself now. I'll, um, it's, a, it's a very hard course. There's a load of hills, so I think it's going to be one of the hardest. Yeah. So I'll try and do another one soon and shave ten minutes off it. That'll be right. my next goal now. Was I'm that, that your first or your 20. second? Did
4: you, you did London, didn't you? It's
8: my third. I did. It's my third one. I did two Londons. One of them without training, and then another one I half trained, right. which I would not advise anyone to do. But I am um, walking grand now today, and it was like an amazing day. I can't even explain yeah. how like the atmosphere and everything was something else. The New Yorkers are amazing.
4: Have you ever been to, You've been to New York before, haven't you?
8: Oh, I have, yeah. It's my fourth time. But I think you see with the marathon, you go through all the five boroughs. So you start off in Staten Island, and then you go into Brooklyn, and then you come into Queens, and then you go over to Queensboro Bridge, which is actually hell. That was just before I met Laura. And then you go into Manhattan, and then you go into the Bronx, and then you're back into Manhattan, and you finish up... Um, and Central Park. Just, I'm walking up to the finish line now here as well.
4: Fantastic. The best, it's the, is the best city in the world. Is it is it your best marathon so far, your favourite marathon so far?
8: I oh, see. I do have a bit of a bias with London, so it's hard. But there were two very different ones. So I'd like to try the London one and do it properly, because the other two attempts were a bit of a joke. But it was <laughs> very special. And, like, I paid the entry. I don't think people know, like, you can pay your way in, because... Not, Martin and marathon's very hard to get into, but I paid my way in with a company up in Dublin, and a load of people do it, so yeah, and tonight it was amazing. Yeah, that's, that's for a woman who was smoking turkey fags a day like for, uh, four years ago, you know? That's right, I remember you smoking running for goodness sake. Yeah? Oh yeah, I remember running and lighting up a cigarette, I couldn't even run, I remember I was living in Valancholic, and I couldn't even run down the village once, um, cause, and I was lighting up cigarettes on the way back. Yes. So yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's, 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 do you know what? It's great for the head and it's great to have a purpose and a goal and all that, you know? Yeah, it's like um, one so, of these life
4: please. achievements, a bit like the Camino, I suppose.
8: It's, yeah, it's, everyone has their own goal and, you know, it doesn't have to be a marathon or anything like that. It could be something really small as well, but it's always good to have a purpose and something to strive for. So, yeah, I'm delighted with myself. Now, I'm home now this evening back into London in the morning at half six. I'm going to wear my medal on the plane. Why not? See if I get an upgrade. You never, see, upgrade, <laughs> you never, you never Only know.
4: you. You'll do you know, that. I'll
8: make sure of myself. Oh, I know I will. A hundred percent. if you go around JFK now. Later on. Well, I hate attention. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, right.
4: Brenda, you've you've two or three very proud pals on this floor. Uh, well done, well done, you kid. Well done, well done. Brenda Dennehy, formerly of this parish, of course, and uh, just ran the New York Marathon yesterday. I'm delighted to hear, and she's talking to us there from from Central Park. Going up now to get her medal engraved. That is it. We are mad busy tomorrow. Gavin James live in studio with Lorraine and Ross in the morning, and uh, the more up for grabs than the two grand minute, and the usual madness all starts at six in the morning. With yay or nay, they're at yay or nay again. That's mad. That's just crazy, it's crazy stuff. And they're back in the morning. Program edited by Fergal Berry, produced and researched by Richard Vickery. We're over time. See you tomorrow, just after nine.
2: Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. with Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over
1: thirty-five years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Hearing.ie. ninety-six FM.